I want Michael uh, to come. He's going to um, share with you a part of his testimony this morning about the uh, importance of your identity. We've never really gotten to the depth of what your identity would do to you. We try to take things and apply it from the outside. We try take truths and try to apply it to ourselves from the outside to make it work. And it won't work that way. It has to come from the inside. Well, see, you got to know who you are. You got to have your identity straightened out so it can start working from the inside out. You can't take your identity and massage yourself enough that you can understand who you are from the outside. Did I do you any good? He just set me up. Praise God. About 17 different directions, but we're going to go in one direction. Number one, the anointing in this church on Pastor Philip and Pastor Cheryl Jackson saved my life. Saved my life. The honor goes to the anointing of God on Pastors Philip and Pastor Cheryl Jackson, number one. Number one, to Jesus Christ, him crucified. Number two, to the gifts that we have. The, the anointing on their lives, which is what the anointing is that Pastor Philip described when he saw the vision of the deformed people. The deformed people that he saw was me, but I was one of those people. Whether you understand it or not, you were one of those people. You were. Now, you are still one of those people, but I would hope that at this stage of the game that you filled out or are in the process of filling out. That is the call on this on our pastors. That's the call on this church. It's, it's the call that's also on your life is to cause others to rise up and take their rightful place in the body of Christ. It's not just them. It's not their responsibility only. But what I would argue is that God found them and filled them out first. Can I say it like that? And they're still, I'm sure, would say that they're still in the process of growing. We all are. But they had to grow first. They had to challenge themselves first. They had to grow. They were also in that group, I would imagine, coming out of denominationalism, which is where we all came from. There wasn't probably a soul in here that came out of a pure church. We were discussing this yesterday. What was that vision? A lot of times we can mistake it for a natural deformity that a person had or a natural deficiency. But And I submit to them, to Pastor Philip and Pastor Jennifer, and they agreed that one interpretation, if not the interpretation, could be that was the belief system of individuals. If they're born again, they're righteous. They're in Christ. They're complete. But their belief systems are what are deformed. Pastor Philip had just mentioned it. You need to get that filled out before you can have the outward change. Everyone's trying to do the outward in, but you can't. You can't do it. You can change some things naturally, but you can't change the reality of who you are until you attack your belief system, until that is filled out, until that is changed. You can't change your finances until you change how you think about prosperity. You can't, you can't be walking health or healing until you change how you think about health and healing. It's an inward out approach. And I'm going to share my testimony. And what I want you to hear in the testimony is the process, not the individual details, because everybody in here is faced with a similar, lesser or greater severity challenge in life that they're dealing with right now that can be changed and altered permanently 
through the process. Everybody wants some kind of change in their lives, and they want to try to do it outward in. And that's the world's message. And everybody wants to come out with a self-help book. You can't self-help. The Holy Spirit inside you is the only helper, and I can, I can actually prove that he is the only helper in this spiritual sense. I think I've shared my testimony about being delivered from fear, panic attacks, confusion, you name it. It was something that I started with having panic attacks in 2008, 2009. I was sitting in an architectural meeting discussing something and suddenly I'm in a full-blown panic attack and I have no idea what this is. Never had one before, don't know what it is, and I'm not going to glorify the devil, but it's indescribable what you're going through in the moment, and you're completely out of control. Those types of events started to occur regularly, which began to cause me to look at myself. What have I done? <laughs> you know, I thought I was born again. I thought I was a new creature. I thought I was these things. A new creature would not have this event. That's not true. A new creature can absolutely have a panic attack. A new creature can absolutely die of cancer. A new creature can absolutely live in poverty every day of their lives and never know it. So here I am questioning who I was as I was going into the scriptures, which I, I at least believe that's where my answer was. I began to find conflicting gospels, conflicting testimonies, conflicting words conflicting statements relating to ultimately at the time I didn't really understand it but it was it was separate identities I thought I was righteous and here I'm a worm what am I am I a new creature what who am I that, that's really what I was seeking for was who am I I'm, I'm going through this process I'm I'm walking through life I'm trying to do I'm trying to get out okay I'm trying to stop this manifestation of fear. I'm trying to stop these things from happening and nothing is working. And when I mean nothing is working, the Bible says, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. That is true, <laughs> but you got to know who you are and you got to understand your authority. There's a whole group of gentlemen that got beat up by a demon possessed man because they went around trying to exercise the name of Jesus incorrectly. <laughs> they lost. The point is you can be a new creature in Christ Jesus and the words that you speak, although they align with the Bible, may or may not work for you if you don't operate in faith and faith comes from comprehension and understanding. What I would say is in this process of me walking this out, God knew what the real problem was. The real problem was I really did not know who I was in Christ Jesus. I was trying. I was purposing to find this identity and I was finding conflicting statements. I would go into Hebrews and I would read about once you've been in the fullness and then you've tasted the spirit and then this happens and then something happens and then you're out and then you can't get back in. Well, for someone that's having panic attacks and operating in complete and total sense of fear, that's not what you need to read, right? Because now you're out and you're trying to get back in and God says you can't, you can't get back in. That is a, the scary is not the right word. It, it was fear gripping me. I had to go and find a resolution to Ephesians 2.8, which is, says that you're saved by grace through faith and repentance and works, which are all in the same category. The challenge was that repentance and works are, all, are found throughout 
the New Testament. The problem is I didn't get saved by repentance. I got saved by believing. It was a gift of God. So here I'm in this contrast where I'm trying to repent my way back into Christ, and you can't do it. Number one, you can't get out, and number two, that's not how you get in. And I began to read in the scriptures where there was this distinct contrast, and at the time I didn't understand it, between Paul's gospel and every other gospel. Paul's gospel is righteousness by faith. You don't get any credit for it. The only thing... We even try to take credit for believing. You can't even really take credit for that. When you start taking credit for, well, I believed God, you begin to say, I've got 1% credit for this righteousness that I now possess. And that's not really the case. The only thing that happened to you is you qualified for the new birth because you decided to believe. Are you credited with that? Absolutely. You decided to believe. But you didn't make yourself righteous. God is the one who reached in and circumcised your spirit. He's the one that did it. He's the one that reached in there and did this thing, this work, this miraculous, amazing, indescribable, really, work. You can try to touch it with words, but you really can't. Here I am. I'm, I'm going along in this process of trying to get out. That's really how I would describe it because it really wasn't working for me trying these very religious traditional routes of repentance and bending over backwards and getting rid of this and you know you're trying to do this outward change to something that god wasn't even pointing at he wasn't even i didn't have some huge sin in my life let me be clear about that i was doing everything i knew to do i wasn't operating in sin i wasn't wandering off from god i was just walking along and was faced with this this challenge this attack that came upon me not from anything I did, just because I'm a target. In the beginning, it was very similar to Pastor Philip's testimony, where he, if he could get into the presence of the anointing, he had this relief. And then he would get away from it, and it would, whether it was gradual or instant, it didn't, didn't matter. This sense of fear would come back, and it wasn't anything I could control or do anything about. Let, let me back up. I could if I had the proper knowledge, which I did not have. I did not know what I now know, which keeps it permanently at bay. I think it was a, it was a Sunday morning. Pastor Cheryl ministered to me. It was in January of 2009. Has not occurred. It never will occur. I thought I was out of Christ. It was right over here. That was a stabilizing force. The Holy Spirit ministered to me. Basically, these thoughts and this belief system that you have about yourself is incorrect. And that's the first time I learned you can be passionately incorrect. <laughs> and many of us right now in this building are passionately incorrect about what you think the Bible says. You're passionately incorrect about finances. You're passionately incorrect about health. You're passionately incorrect about who you are in Christ Jesus. I was very passionately incorrect about who I was. I did not know what I know now. And that was the first hinge point, the affirmation that you're on the right path in that this has not occurred. Okay, it hasn't occurred. Now what? How do I fix this? How do I live my life now in Christ Jesus, now that I know that I'm in? Because I, I had faith in the anointing. I had faith in the pastors. I had faith in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I did and do. Thank God. That's why I was saying my life was saved by the anointing on both of their lives. 
It's a combination effort. That was basically my life for several years of perpetually getting relief from this presence of fear. But I kept knowing that this is not God's will for my life to perpetually have to get into the anointing to achieve relief or life, okay? So I was reading in The Triumphant Church by Reverend Kathy Hagen. In there, there's a statement that he makes that is extremely profound. He says, the body of Christ is not walking in victory because Christians never genuinely receive and walk in the knowledge of God to walk in a perpetual state of victory, meaning permanent victory in arenas of our lives are achievable by the word of God. And what he was witnessing was people getting healed and then losing it or getting out of a financial jam and then getting back into one. And, and the Christian mentality, even today, I won't speak for then because I wasn't there, but I imagine it was very similar, is that's what they think God is, this perpetual get-me-out-of-a-jam magic feather, which is tremendously insulting if you really understand that. But most people's, their concept of Christianity is getting out of a jam. That's why everybody comes here to get healed because it's here. And then they go back to their church. Why would you ever do that? What do you want? No, you want a quick fix. That's all that you want. You don't really want commitment. You don't want to submit to God. You certainly don't want to submit to the pastors. People in here do that. You do it every time you reject an opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God in your heart. You do it every time that you don't obey God in the word. He, he is the ultimate authority, but guess what? He gave us gifts. And those gifts are anointed to cause you to rise up and take your rightful place in the body of Christ. And that anointing is what breaks the yoke. Well, how does that work? It can be initially like it happened in 2009 to break the yoke out of ignorance or immaturity or youth. God does that. That is the anointing on, that is available to us. If you go back to your seat after that and say, wow, every time I have a challenge in my body, I'll just go up and use the anointing. You don't really know how dishonoring and disrespectful that is. God's expecting you to rise up and take your rightful place in the body of Christ to the degree that sickness and disease does not come upon you and that you can walk in. Or if you're challenged, you don't need to call the pastors because you have the spiritual authority God gave you in the new creature, in the new creation. You activate it through the knowledge that you've gained, the work you've put in to the Word of God. 2009, it was the initial. And there were many different opportunities where the Holy Ghost ministered to me personally along the way. Along the way was I was digging into the Word of God. And I was going into the Bible on my own, finding the truth. Because I'd, I didn't care what it was. This sounds kind of backwards, but I was submitted to God to the degree if I was out and permanently out, I would accept his judgment. That was it. He's God, which is kind of ironic because you think this, that level of submission would probably say that you're probably in Christ. But in this stage of fear and confusion and darkness, which is what it was, I couldn't even understand or articulate that. I was just being challenged. But I was willing to accept whatever the answer was. And the wonderful part about that was I found the answers. There was a lot of conflict along the way. 
conflict in the scriptures, and I kept asking him, the Holy Spirit, what is going on here? Hebrews says this. Romans says this. They do not connect. They don't add up. They're totally conflicting. How does this work? Am I in Christ or am I out? Did you do it or did I do it? What is the answer? Who am I? Am I really a new creature or am I just a guy that's saved? Because a guy that's saved can float around and lose his salvation and move around and be in Christ and then be a Buddhist one day and be alive and dead and float around. I don't want that. That's not security. That's not safety. That's not being saved to me. I needed to be saved as much from myself as I did anything else. Because if I can monkey with my salvation, then that's dangerous. As much as I'm a new creature in spirit, I've got a flesh and a mind and a will and emotions, and I'm in charge of them, and I took responsibility for them. If the answer was, yes, you can, if you mess around, then fine. That's fine. I'll just make sure that I don't ever get there. Show me that path to stay in Christ. And what I found along the way was, in my study of the scriptures, it's not possible. And the reason why I believe it to be not possible is because where the Holy Ghost led me in this long-term strengthening, God was not expecting me to rely upon the anointing on the pastors. They can't be everywhere all the time. They, they can't do that. They don't want to be that to us. They want you to be that to other people. That's, that's the end goal of this, is for them to— re- They are not going to be here one day. Is this church going to be here? I will be here because I'm, I'm part of the body of Christ here. The one thing I would believe about them and know them is they want to replicate themselves in us. I know that. Not for them, number one, for us, but number two, that vision of the deformed people, that is an insult to God. Not that we're insulting him. He just did more for us than for us to be walking around like that. And if we are the body of Christ and we are the only means and measures of contacting and changing things in the earth supernaturally and we're the vehicle, then how can we ever be what Ephesians says? Ephesians 1.23, which is his body. That's us. The fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. That's supposed to be us. This is what popped into my spirit in complete and total contrast to the vision that Pastor Philip had. God wants us to be this. We cannot be this if we remain what Pastor Philip saw in the vision. Because this is the body. This is a demonstration, I would argue, more of the corporate body of believers. Can an individual fill their presence, their office, wherever they are with the fullness of God? Yes, they can. Is that a demonstration of the body of Christ? Yes. Do we do it more collectively? Yes. I believe that the corporate anointing is greater than an individual anointing. One can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. Here's where God is, I don't want to even say attempting to get us. This is where we are going. We cannot be this without the individual members, me, Michael Grove, rising up and taking his place in the body of Christ. That's what Pastor Philip saw. 
it was a group of individuals that were deformed, but you could also argue that if a person had strong legs and very weak arms, that person, if they were assigned a physical task, would have a great deal of difficulty doing it. But if their entire body is strong individually, if that's all filled out and complete, then we can be this. If we don't, then we can't. It's an impossibility. Or we're going to be doing a lot of work with a deficiency. Can you still do it? Yes. To get here, we've got to each individually decide that we're going to rise up. So how do you do that? For Michael, I was, I won't say I was forced into this. This is not something I decided to take up out of desire. This was in essence thrust upon me. I believed wholeheartedly what the prophet Kenneth E. Hagin said was that he wanted the body to understand who they were in Christ Jesus, to fill out spiritually. That is the end goal that we all need to accomplish. So I'm going along. The anointing is ministering to me. Number one, saving my life, but causing me to rise up and take our rightful place in the body of Christ. It was my lifeline because I was finding this conflict and I was having a greater witness to Romans and a greater witness to Paul's epistles as Pastor Philip began ministering on, on who you are in Christ Jesus, he began to get closer and closer to this security that you have in Christ Jesus. For me, it was the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin argument is just a pinnacle of the core argument, which is you're righteous. You're who God says you are. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And he started walking this out for me. And in essence, the Holy Spirit was giving me permission to side with righteousness by faith only. I'll be honest, I did not want to be out on my own. I did not want to be disobedient. I wanted to understand and submit myself to the authority of God's word. What is the answer? Fix this in me. Because I want permanent fix. And where the Holy Ghost ministered to me and what he gave me progressively over time was the word of God to support that I was in fact who God says that I was. I was a new creature in Christ Jesus. I was a son. I'm righteous. I have his nature. As I began to gain understanding of my nature in Christ Jesus, that was the long-term growth that I needed to attain permanent stability. I don't have, I can't even remember what, I don't even know what a panic attack feels like. If you tried to describe me, I wouldn't know. What happened to me was I began to get filled out. I began the path to permanent victory the day that I decided to submit myself wholeheartedly to the Holy Spirit regarding who I was in Christ Jesus. And what has produced for me is permanent results. I don't have to ever go back to a panic attack ever again. I won't. I know I won't. Well, you can't say that. I'll never have a panic attack ever again in my life. It's never going to happen again. I'll never be confused about righteousness. I'll never be confused about who I am in Christ Jesus. I'll never be confused about the unpardonable sin. People don't understand when you say that you're challenging who I am in Christ Jesus. You're saying sin can come out of my spirit. It cannot or I'm not righteous. There's all these arguments doctrinal argument and everybody's trying to discuss them and attack them up here they got down here all messed up they don't understand that he said i made you a new creation in christ jesus the scripture says that not as the offense so also is the free gift romans 5:15. it says that you cannot compare adam's fall with this new creation that you've become 
he did something infinitely far above exceeding what we could possibly dare ask, think, dream, or imagine. This work that is in us is greater than you can fathom. You can't plumb the depths of it. I had to get to the place where I understood it enough to refute all these lies that were tormenting me, including the unpardonable sin. I went on a journey to technically or doctrinally understand these arguments, and God didn't, he didn't start there. He took me down to the fundamentals, which were this Christianity thing is not a religion. It's not something you put on or take off. It is who you are. God did not create a religion. He created a group of people that are new creatures that he placed in a body. That's it. He called out a body. He reconciled the world to himself in Christ Jesus. What is God doing today? He is not counting the sins of the world against them, reconciling them to him in Christ. He's not judging a person. He can't. He can't be doing both. He can't be judging these people and then reconciling other. He, he's, it, there's just all these things that get added onto this core doctrine of righteousness by faith and who God is. God is not putting his thumb on anybody. God is not sending tornadoes. He's not even holding back from doing that. He's not like withholding his wrath. He poured all of it out on Christ Jesus. He didn't keep a little reserve bottle in case you step out of line and then thump you with it. He does not do that. He can't do it. It's impossible if you believe the doctrine of complete and total reconciliation. I had to arrive at complete and total reconciliation by faith alone, saved by grace through faith. All these other arguments are solved down here with this core belief. It fixes everything. Once you get this image of who you are in Christ Jesus down, all these other things fall away because you have been fundamentally changed in how you see yourself. The process was meditation on the Word of God. And all I really did was find the truth and began to operate in it. He came down and identified with us on the earth. He was crucified, dead, and he joined himself to you right here on the earth. He became a man to join himself to you. Then he was crucified. You were crucified. Then you died. He, he died, you died. You were raised from the dead. And now you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can't die again. It's an impossibility. For you to die, Christ would have to die. And the Bible says Christ will never die again. He cannot die. So you tell me how you're going to die now if you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. These things have fundamentally happened to me, and now I'm who God says that I am. As far as God sees our recreated human spirits, he was the prototype. We are identical copies of him. We're just not him. That will send people running for the hills if you bring that up. The irony is that in saying that and doing that, you are honoring God, not dishonoring him. Because... He doesn't want us going around being these disfigured members in our belief system that we are. That's not who we are. That's who Satan wants you to be. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. It doesn't change who you are spiritually, but it does change how you think and how you operate in the earth. I was consumed with fear and torment because I was not thinking in my heart correctly about who I was. I was just saved. I had just gotten into the club. 
I had my sins forgiven and a ticket to heaven that you can gain or lose. That is an incorrect thinking about who you are in Christ Jesus. And it will never empower you to be who you're called to be. If I could rate my level of fear and, and torment on a scale of 1 to 100, I was at 112. What happened was the Holy Ghost would supernaturally minister to me by the pastors here in the service. Pastor Philip, Pastor Cheryl, gifts of the Spirit. I could get relief by praying in other tongues. I could get relief by worshiping God. I could get into the presence of God. I could get myself there and be totally and completely relieved of all symptoms of fear. The problem was it would diminish. I, I would walk away from it, and it might take hours, days, whatever. I'd be right back to where I was. It proved to me that it was spiritual, number one. It wasn't a mental condition. It wasn't natural. We think these things are natural. They're not natural. The anointing can change anything. Nothing's impossible to him who believes. But for me, that wasn't fixing the core problem. The core problem was my belief system was corrupt. And what happened was over a period of months and years, I meditated the word of God. And I'm not talking about religiously. I'm talking about I wore out in him. I wore it out. The scriptures that ministered to me about who I was in Christ Jesus, I began to meditate them, speak them, declare them, decree them. Because at the time, I did not know it was possible to have permanent relief from X. I had never heard about it, never seen it before, never been involved in it, and I did not know whether it was actually possible. I had no hope. That gave me hope. The hope was you can achieve permanent victory in any arena of your life through the Word of God. That was a cliche saying for me before. It's not anymore. I meditated this, this alone. The first day I did it, nothing changed, nothing outwardly. It changed, but I didn't feel any change. Week two, week three, week four, month three, you know, I'm not trying to paint a picture of it. it's going to take you years. It took me years. It took me many months and years to develop a stability of who I was in Christ Jesus, predominantly because there wasn't anybody out there that seemed to know the answers to these questions I was having until the Holy Ghost started using our pastors to minister to me directly sitting back there, and they saved my life. The Holy Spirit was revealing things to me that I had never heard before. They were scriptural. I know where they are now. <laughs> They're in the Bible. It's not some weird thing. But I was receiving this revelation knowledge progressively. And what I would say is if my fear level was at 100%, everybody wants it to go to zero right away. may happen as you go. I sowed into my spirit the revelation knowledge of who I was in Christ Jesus. And what happened was this fear that I wanted to just dump and get rid of, it just went down to 90 and then to 80, and then to 70, and then to 60, and then to 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 0. That's how it happened. It wasn't like a sudden departure, like a, something coming off of me. I had those experiences, which demonstrated to me that it was spiritual. But the long-term success hinged upon Michael Garove digging into the Word of God, meditating, speaking, asking, praying in tongues, I will tell you that most of what I received supernaturally was following periods of praying in tongues. He would start pointing out things in the scriptures. He would give me visions. They were not intended just to relieve the pressure. They were intended to create permanent change in my belief system about who I was in Christ Jesus.
while he was doing this, he was permanently fixing my foundation never to be changed again. I don't have to go back and fix it. There's no holes in it. I don't need to go back and, and, and rework my foundation completely. Could there be cracks in it? Yes. Can I go repair them? Absolutely. The only way you can do that is by meditating the Word of God. And the only person that can help you is the Holy Spirit. He's the only one. John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I had said to you. He is the one that teaches you all things. He's the only one that can teach you all things. You can't push him out and expect to get revelation knowledge. He is the only revealer. You can't shut out the Holy Spirit and expect to get the results. What was happening to me was God Almighty was personally revealing to Michael revelation knowledge. I had to give myself permission to believe the Holy Ghost above all things. I had to give myself permission to say it didn't matter who challenged me in this arena. And it created me a great new honor for him that he would, that he would spend the time, that he would be that personally interested in me, that if I was the only one who ever understood what I had received, that was all right, and that it was for me. It was for Michael. It, wasn't for, it was for everybody, but it was for me. If I was the only one that would ever give heed to it, that was all right. I could live my life knowing it. Do I want to share with others more than you understand what God gave me, the identity that I really have in him? And I hope that I've been able to share some of that with you today.